I'd like to read a short poem that really rang home this morning when uh, I was having my, my meditation. It's by the 13th century Persian poet, um, Rumi, and it goes, this human being is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house and empty it of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. This is Kevin Mochiro, dear friend of mine, podcaster and activist that moderated the panel discussion on mental health and lockdown during 2020's The Spread Fest. I thought that aside from sexuality and in times like these, it would be important to discuss some of these health concerns that often do have an effect on our sexuality. As I have battled so much over the last few months with my mental health, I now invite you to sit with me through these conversations as we try to find spaces that are safe enough for us to heal. This panel features Jet Setting Jasmine. Thank you so much. Good morning to all my panelists, all the spreaders that are watching in. It is a pleasure to be in your company again. Different, uh, different situation, but ne nevertheless, it's good to connect with everyone. My name is Jasmine Johnson. I am a licensed clinical psychotherapist here in the US in the state of Florida and I offer virtual therapy um, under my company, Blue Pearl Therapy, which is an all-inclusive virtual practice. So we were pretty busy prior to COVID-19 offering telehealth services and things have just gone through the roof since um, most people are home and, and available to, to either address existing mental health issues or those that we'll be talking about today that are arising since the start of the pandemic. Um, I am also the owner of Jet Setting Jasmine and Royal Fetish Films as a sex entertainer and educator. So thank you for having me. Maggie Gitu. My name is Maggie Gitu. I am a marriage, family and sex therapist. I live and work in Nairobi. Um, I'm really excited to be here. Just like Jasmine, I was already offering um, e-therapy, you know, a couple of days a week for my clients outside the country or outside the city or traveling for work and can't come in. And then COVID happened and it's just been, um, as you can imagine, every, a lot of people are, are really struggling with mental health. And then the accessibility of having it online has meant that, yeah, uh, there's just a lot more work to do, a lot more clients to see. So client hours have had to increase. I'm really pleased to be part of this conversation um, just because it's, yes, Kenyan context, but also we get to learn from one another from a global perspective. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to hear what our guests, our other panelists have to say and also questions coming in. Onyango Otieno. My name is Onyango. Thank you so much. I am a poet. I'm a writer. Um, I'm a podcaster as well. I'm a gender activist. Um, I am so much passionate about the stories of African men and uh, 
the perceptions uh, by which they see themselves and they see the world. And so my podcast is about that. Um, I write about um, sexual and reproductive health and rights, um, especially regarding how men perceive these things. Um, and so I pretty much spend my life going back into history to understand culture, politics, um, religion, and how all these complexities affect the African man's mind today. So my poetry is pretty much about the same things. And I'm so much lucky even to be alive in this time and moment. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to the next hour and seeing what's going to come up. COVID-19 has birthed, unearthed, and aggravated social and mental health issues at an unprecedented level. We seek to discuss the impact lockdown and its ripple effects have had on us. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Spread Podcast. Here we discuss all things sexuality with no judgment. And I'm your host, Kaz. And this is The Spread Fest 2020 series. Our first episode in this series is mental health and lockdown. Looking for something that's right in front of me My first question is to the panel and how have you, I know each one of you look, is looking into ways to support other people um, through this unprecedented times and, and, and I've begun calling it the class of 2020. Um, how have you been coping so far with the class of 2020? Um, yeah, with the pandemic in the last, I'd say five months. Maggie, I'll, I'll start with you. So this was an interesting experience for me because um, today being Sunday, a week ago Friday, was what I was calling a live day because I almost died a year ago on that day. So for me, I had already had my kind of pre-death and the trauma that came with it and then the horrible recovery that came with it. And I was doing a lot of it on my own. So when uh, the government put us in the, under the first curfew at 7 p.m. I know a lot of people's stress levels went all the way up. And it had to have been a couple of weeks after that I asked myself, why am I not stressed? And then it hit me. I already had my own quarantine for months and months and months. This was the easy version because the, the, the other version, I could not leave my bed. I could barely eat. I could not move. Uh, I was dealing with a lot of trauma from a place where I could not distract myself because I was just in bed all the time. So that I was having to deal with a lot of the emotional impact of that experience um, from like I was, I had no choice, right? There was no distraction. There's only so much Netflix a girl can take. What I decided to do then is to say, okay, so it, I kind of got a pre what, like a preview. I got to experience COVID ahead of everybody else. So how can I help the people going through it now um, cope? And immediately, within a day or two, I put up a thread on Twitter, which I fed every day. I pinned it. I hashtagged it, Corona Care KE, Corona Care. And I put things like I would sing, because I'm a trained opera singer as well. So I would sing stuff and put it on there. I would uh, put in like things that I thought would be useful to a person's mind because I knew the battle that people were facing was really in the mind, right? And I started offering free therapy right on Twitter. I said, look, if you need me, DM me. So that helped me cope by being useful. By first of all, understanding I had already gone through a trauma 
and then choosing to turn that trauma around and say, okay, this gives me a unique perspective that I can use to support people who are struggling. And so that's how I've coped by just making sure that I'm caring for myself, right? I'm, I have my own support system that they're present and that I am fueling my life every day with how can you support today? How can you add? I don't have to do everything. I don't have to do everything, but how can I make sure that every day I have added into the pot of positive impact in the country? And honestly, those are the lenses that have gotten me through uh, this far. How about you, Onyango? You're in Machakos. It's a lot smaller, lot, uh, less frenetic like Nairobi. Um, and the impact of, of the lockdown would have been slightly different there. How have you handled this? Well, uh, this thing got me in the middle of, um, I was consulting with uh, another organization called Green Street Network, which I've been working with uh, for the last one year. We do hold uh, uh, trauma healing workshops with the Kenya police or for the Kenya police. So it actually found me in Kiganjo where the National Police College is at. Um, and we were holding workshops there, um, you know, just uh, usually we have these circles where these police officers you know, humanize themselves. They talk about what they're going through in their work, in their, in their like curriculum and the difficulties within that and working with, um, you know, their systems and all that. So already, um, you know, I was predisposed to um, a lot of trauma stories, which is like in the line of nearly my everyday work. Uh, so when COVID came, I think there was a, an aeroplane that landed here that brought a lot of speculation, I think, from China. Um, and then I think that was end of March. And then um, beginning of April, I think my whole body just shut down because I was too anxious. COVID was everywhere. It was on the news. It was on CNN. It was on NTV. It was, it was in our market. It was everywhere. So I felt like my house needed to be that space I could have control, right? So I just shut down social media. I sh it was incredible for me to watch what Maggie was doing almost every day in the middle of all that. And thank God she's just explained that. So now I understand because I couldn't get it at that time. Like all that energy at the time when on my end, I was, I was shutting down. Um, so I shut everything down and then my home was like that safe space for me. Um, and uh, I got an opportunity to reconnect with places inside me I think I had neglected for quite a while because this everyday life going on, going on, it was difficult to just sit down and pause. Um, and that's why I ended up actually uh, beginning the podcast, which I had been meaning to begin, but I didn't really have time. Um, and uh, also went back to journaling and, um, you know, starting to rewrite my poetry again. So it's been a fantastic time. And even as we speak, I'm also going through therapy just to check in with myself and see how things are going, how, where am I um, and how am I coping with the situation. So I also have very great uh, guy friends around me who check up on me very much um, oftenly. Um, and we've got, because uh, we live in the same neighborhood, we visit each other once in a while to just check up on one another. And pretty, pretty much that's it. But thank God the market has still been open and um, at least I've been able to just buy an avocado when I want one. Man. Yeah, it's a blessing. <laughs> yeah, so very, very similar experiences to both of our panelists with trying to find some 
creative outlets and ways of dealing with the uncertainty and the anxiety and also trying to hold space for, for others. Um, I like to look at what this has been like, the way that in therapy, we look at group, um, kind of like groups forming. It's called storming, forming, and norming. So I feel like I've been going through this cycle um, through the pandemic. So first, the storming, it was we have to get all we have to get all the supplies. We have to, you know, buy everything we're going to be in the house for for weeks on end. We need to buy projects. I mean, we purchased everything that you could think of to keep everyone in the house busy. Um, we're quarantined with uh, my, my partner and I, our 19 year old, our 16 year old and our two year old. And um, the 19 year old has since got her own apartment. So <laughs> she moved in the middle of a pandemic. So that should tell you how storming, forming and norming went. And it actually turned out to be quite, um, it, it worked out really nicely. However, um, without a doubt, the pandemic did speed up some as, as it was causing some of our life plans to come to a halt. It also did cause some things in our life to speed up. Just being um, in each other's space day in and day out gave everyone a realization of what they can and cannot handle um, from a um, interpersonal perspective. So her getting her own space, um, that kind of, that was definitely a, we can't do this in the middle of a pandemic, but then when it was done and she only moved across the street, we realized this was actually a really good thing for all of us. Um, so there was some of that. We determined that we needed structure. Uh, within the first maybe two to three weeks, we realized like, okay, we need, we're all in the house. So everyone needs to have a role and a job of cleaning and cooking and who's upstairs when everybody is downstairs and just um, who's watching the baby. So adding a lot of structure to our day really helped. Um, and then we sort of had like this way of life. This was our norming. We had our routine down. Um, we gave way to some of the disappointments of COVID-19. We weren't able to travel. We were in the middle of going on an international tour and that had to come to an end. And our conversation stops, we stopped talking about things from the perspective of when this is over, we will, um, or we're just gonna push that back and postpone to that is not going to happen this year. Um, we are really sad and disappointed that this is not going to happen this year. Everything from our daughter's basketball tournaments to coming to see y'all in Kenya, you know, all of these really amazing things we've been looking forward to all year. We did have to make space to be sad and to, to, to accept that these things weren't gonna happen. Um, and then as you all know, we had the uprisings around the racial injustice in this country and really around the world. And that was, um, that was another storming, forming, and we're still not quite norming. Um, but for me, holding space for white fragility in my practice during a time that I was going through my own personal feelings um, attached to the uprising, along with everyone feeling pretty uh, exhausted with being in quarantine or some form of lockdown. Um, that was definitely a challenging time. And through this whole thing, I've been seeing my therapist as well, um, because I could not see people reacting in the way that they were and not think that it wasn't, that it was ha wasn't having a toll on me. So um, I quickly recognized that if everyone around me is having some type of depression, anxiety, or, you know, just stress, 
that I am not above that. And it was probably a good opportunity for me to continue checking in with my therapist and have been doing so since. That's very interesting to hear that each one of you have people almost directly or indirectly you're falling back on, so to speak. But I think it is important for people to see that we are also dealing with our own mental fragility and, 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 looking, out, and, and looking after that. Um, for me, one challenge is, especially during this period, is dealing with fear, the fear of uncertainty. And I tell people the fear of today, it's not being a cancer survivor, it's I've learned to live in the now, you know, and being in isolation isn't new for me and sort of, you know, I'm like, yeah, I've been here, done that before, you know, but for me, it's that fear of not knowing. So what advice would you give to someone who is still in that space five months on and like, I can't deal with the fear of not knowing or even the fact that there's no one saying this is going to end. And like what you said, Jasmine, you know, we've sort of had to ch change our phrasing. So how to, how to deal with fear? Well, I, 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 you know, in the beginning, especially when I was doing the free sessions, this theme kept coming up you know, I'm, I'm so terrified. I don't even know what's going on. And when I asked, what are you terrified of? People couldn't even necessarily articulate the thing that, that was keeping them awake at night. And so one of the things I would say to people is, yes, you're afraid of the unknown, right? So what do you know? What can you know first? Because for example, if somebody said to me, if I die, if I catch this virus and I die, what's going to happen to my kids? And I would ask, do you have um, a plan in place for them? No, I don't. Is that something that you're willing to be able to start, to start looking at now? You don't have to make a decision now, but, and then they would say, oh my God, that's true. I actually need, I have a lawyer friend I can call. I'm gonna reach out today. So it's to try and understand that fear, first of all, is a mirage in, in the sense that it makes everything appear bigger than it is. And even when it's big, it makes it bigger. No matter, like I'm terrified of roaches. If I see a little roach, my mind registers that as a massive roach, right? So to understand that your fear is really not the thing, it's what you've thought about the thing. And disregard that for now. Get to, like call yourself for what Kenyans call a little meeting. Call yourself for a meeting and say, there's a lot I don't know, but what do I know? And what can I know? I know this virus doesn't live very long on the hands. So if I wash my hands every so often for 20, 30 seconds, I should be fine. I know that if I wear a mask so that you really break it down to the tiniest detail of what is keeping you awake at night. And what can you know? What if I die and I've never been married? Well, to, to look at that in this moment and say, what is it that marriage would give you? It would be nice to know that I matter to somebody. Who in your life do you matter to right now? right now because the idea that a person will matter you will matter to them is a hope it's a wish and it's a fantasy it doesn't mean it can't come true but it's not the only way for you to matter to a person so again yes there's a lot you don't know but what do you know and what can you know start there and then build up you will be minimizing the list of what you don't know well i strongly agree with maggie i, I think that that is uh, a 
perfect approach to what can you gain control over and so much uh, so often our fear is exactly that it's things that we don't know it's it's things that we are um creating anxiety about we're creating like maggie said the fantasy of something that's much worse than what's actually in front of your face um so helping orient people to what's actually happening in the moment. Um, so grounding techniques, mindfulness techniques, Kevin, you mentioned meditation this morning, things that help us connect to the here and now, our body being safe, our, um, our psychological safety, all of the things that our mind may be taking us to um, can be really resolved if we can just help it stay present. And then the other, the other piece of that is not only what do you know, um, but what can you control? What's actually in what's actually in reach of your control, and I think when we feel like we have some control, where our actions and our thoughts are begetting exactly what we hope that they would. So it may be something like, "I'm feeling super anxious. I haven't eaten all day. I'm worried about where food is coming from next. I'm worried." Just I, I can I can really see Maggie's concept working so nicely. It's just going back to okay, in all of those things, what can you actually do? I can eat right now. And then I start to feel control. What do I want to eat? Okay, I'm walking over to the refrigerator. I'm grabbing this. And, and so those steps become me controlling my environment, which takes my anxiety and takes those thoughts that are so far, either in the future or so far out of my control. It starts to minimize those thoughts and allows me to focus again on what I actually have control over that I don't have to fear in the moment. Well, I'm asking myself a couple of questions, um, even as I process what Maggie and Jazz are just from saying. Um, you know, so much has happened. You know, uh, we are not, we've not just been dealing with COVID-19. It has come with its cousins, a lot of people with it, things with it. Um, and in, for Kenya, um, it's like it just brought more into the surface the, you know, uh, social injustices that a lot of people live with as reality, the everyday realities. Um, and the, the, the number one thing that happened here was the police brutality just before uh, the George Floyd uh, case happened. Um, and we, we've witnessed so many people being gunned down because they were out of their homes um, during the curfew hours. Um, and so many people have also lost their jobs, especially in the hospitality industry and in the service industry. Um, so there's a lot of like job insecurity and um, a rise in cases of rape and sexual violence as well. That has been crazy. And dealing with that almost on a daily basis has been insane for me because people kept texting me all the time. Um, and so... I'm just thinking like for somebody who is worried, they don't know where their next meal is gonna come from and their parent cannot help them and they don't have people to help them. Um, how, 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 how do, what do you tell that person? Because COVID, COVID is here. And then, I mean, our government has been very theatrical in how they've been dealing with this thing in the public healthcare system. Um, so people do not really have that confidence in the government and so you find a lot of civil society um, movements and organizations have been coming to step in to try get food to people in the cities and everything things like that but i can imagine for places like northern kenya where things are like things are drier and they often feel like they're not even part of this country what's happening out there what's happening how do they deal with these things what if somebody was to talk to me from mandera maggie what would i tell them about that situation 
I know that a lot of times when we speak, people think that we're only speaking, let's say to the middle class or upper class or upper middle class, whatever. And then there is a feeling of what about the people on the lower end of the socioeconomic um, scale. But for me, everything I say, I try to always actually keep those specific people in mind. For example, the idea of rest is a, a wealthy man and a poor man are going to rest more or less the same on Sunday. The difference is that the wealthy man will have a, I don't know how many hundred inch TV. I don't know what they've reached now. And the poor man may just sit outside on his plastic chair and, you know, get some sun. But the idea of rest is, is in a way universal. So even the idea of saying, what can I control? If you're living in the slum and you have to work, then, you know, there's some things you cannot control, right? One of my actually friends now is a security guard. And, you know, if you're in Kenya, you know that that population of people tends to be on the lower end of the scale. They don't have a lot of um, autonomy at work. They're not able to say, I can't come. I don't feel safe. So for him, it was about letting me know when there was a vulnerability, um, whether it was uh, food or finances or whatever. But for me, it was also me to step up and say, well, we're under curfew from 7 p.m. What do I think he's doing between 7 p.m. and 6 a.m.? He's cold. He's not even getting to move up and down. There are no cars coming in from the club. You know, no one is showing up at two in the morning drunk. So all he has to do there is sit and think. So it became about how can I support him in the best way that I can, not the best way in the world. For such a person, they still must think about what can I control? I can control um, where the children go during the day. So control that. I can control how we live in this house in a way that is not, you know, we're not killing each other. So they control that. Controlling your environment is not a reserve or a preserve of the people who are on the upper end of the scale or the middle part of the scale, because we are all human beings. And the scale changes all the time. How many people do we know who are up here now, but will tell you they grew up in the slums? Every mother wants the same things. Every father wants the same things. All children more or less want the same things. And so as the adults in the home, it's about helping helping yourself to navigate by saying, what can I actually control here? If I have to go to work, can I maybe walk on this side of the street instead of that side of the street where everybody, like there are too many people. If we, instead of taking a matatu, can I take my bicycle to work? Can I borrow my brother's bicycle and, and cycle to work? Can I wear two jackets instead of one? Can I wear two t-shirts instead of just a t-shirt and a jacket, right? Because we know that this disease tends to like cold and and you know cold also makes you susceptible to i don't know other opportunistic you know health issues so and this is the thing i think i want also people in the middle and upper part of that scale to know these things are not just for you and if you're on the lower end of the scale or if you have friends or family on that lower end of the scale part of their dignity or part of you dignifying them is to not treat them as if they have no agency over their lives, they do. Their lives just look different. Their agency is different. They absolutely have agency over their lives. Otherwise you're victimizing them the same way the government is victimizing them. So the person in Mandera still has to decide to be home before the curfew or to you know, have sleep at a friend's house or to maybe borrow a brother's jacket because he's gonna be out at night working. 
or to grow your food in a little pot so that you don't have to go to the market so much. And basically the question is the same. What can you control in your environment? Even if it's one thing, that is part of what reminds you that you are a human being and not an animal being like whipped like a donkey, turn here, turn there. And it's part of what reminds you that you have dignity. Your existence has dignity. The fact that you exist has dignity. And helping people connect to that is important to their mental health because COVID has made us all feel so helpless and it has stripped us of our dignity. We can't just go to Jasmine now and say, hide me because Kenya has a problem. She can't even come and I can't even go. Do you know what I mean? It has made everybody realize just how vulnerable and interconnected we are. So even if your Ascari or your house help is on the lower end of the scale, it does not mean that you treat them as if they're lower than you, they're not. Their circumstances are different, but their humanity is the exact same humanity that you have inside you. I really like that, um, Maggie, but I want to ask how, and with the clients that you've seen, what are the telltale signs that people should look out for that they might be dealing with um, depression? Because it's all fine and dandy that you've said that, but there are people who don't have that language, don't even know how to identify that they're going through either low-level depression. You know, it was really interesting to hear Michelle Obama say she struggles with it. And I'm like, hey, that was, you know, that was, that was, to some extent, there was that, you know. Um, what do you tell people? What do you what are the telltale signs, firstly, you know, with someone who's struggling with depression? Or even what advice would you offer to, and what advice would you offer to people who don't even have that language to say, I am depressed, I am struggling? Yeah, I, um, I'll jump in on this one. I think, I think that's so important. Like we don't have to have these, these, these labels and these high concepts um, that we're exchanging here because we have the space, the time, and the know-how to, right? But in, with my clients, if they just don't feel like themselves, you know, what is, what is that? What does that mean to you? Oh, I don't know. I just feel so like tired and, uh, and I feel so ag aggravated at everybody and everything. Okay. That's giving me something, a symptom that you don't want for yourself that we need to work through. Forget if it's depression, if it's anxiety related, if it's manic, it, it's like all of these, these terms and these words, they're important to us clinicians to be able to track and treat and things of that sort. But at the most basic level, do you feel a way that you don't want to feel anymore? Have you noticed that this feeling has come on since you've been in the house for too long or since the conditions, um, the circumstances of your environment have changed? Um, what do you want to feel like? So that's that, that's that agency that Maggie's talking about. Some people's reaction to this pandemic are important to their survival. You know, so some things I, I may say, I'll, I'll give an example in my household. My partner, for him to feel a level of, of safety, he was up all night reading all of these different um, sources of how to, uh, how to grow things, how to source things, how, where we should be ordering things from, what is it going to look like if we need to leave the, the U.S., all of these things. That hypervigilance was important to him to secure the survival of his family. So it wasn't me saying, like, you really need to go to bed. You seem really stressed out and anxious. That looks like the onset of, no, it's, he's going through what he needs to go through to be able to cope with this situation. Now, if he says, 
I really haven't slept for a long time. I feel incredibly exhausted. I am, I, I feel like I'm reaching a breaking point. Then he's explaining to me symptoms that are now unwanted and are no longer serving him. So that's when we start to work through that. So I think it's important for us to not have to um, go like, oh, I, I, you know, it's great if everyone can see a therapist, but we also need to understand that that's a privilege too. You know, accessing mental health care, I don't care where you are on the globe, that is, um, that's a treat. And, and we have to acknowledge that. So what can we do to the people that are listening that maybe don't have access to a mental health care provider or they're not a mental health care provider themselves? If we can just listen to, to the people around us for sharing with us symptoms that they no longer find that are serving them and how can we help them through that? I'm feeling really down. The first thing we can do is acknowledge that. I can understand why you might be feeling down right now. You know, for the first time when, with like Michelle Obama, I was like, I knew we were best friends. We're going through the exact same thing right now. You know, it had that relatability. She acknowledged that we were both share, having the same outcomes and it, and it speaks to what Maggie said so much. Like she and I, I'm sure are on very different tax brackets. We have very different um, lifestyles and living environments, but we still at the, at the very basis of our humanity are experiencing emotions the same because something overwhelming has changed in, in both, no matter where we live. So just even her acknowledging that she's having similar feelings gave us all some validation um, and, and that interconnectedness. So again, you can leave the, the fun, exciting labels, um, treatments, theories, and concepts to us professionals and really just start asking people, how do they feel? And then going back to that, what can we do to have some control over these feelings? Thank you very much, Maggie. Kevin, yeah, can I also just add, first of all, Jasmine is talking, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because that's really um, it. For this context, somebody may say, use language like, squeeze the poor. nowadays I'm not really okay, right? And they don't have to tell you I'm feeling depressed or there's a darkness over me. Some will actually say that, ah, oh, nowadays, naskiatu, it's like a giza, there's just darkness all the time. The other thing for people to look out for is excesses. Stress and anxiety and depression and other mental health issues tend to come with an impact on your drives, your primal drive. So you may find that your sex drive is higher than usual or lower than usual. You may find that your food appetite, so your sexual appetite may increase dramatically or decrease dramatically. Your food appetite may increase dramatically or decrease dramatically. Your sleep appetite may increase dramatically or decrease dramatically. Notice that the consistent word there is what? Dramatically. So for example, I've noticed just now, I was telling the panelists I got a brownie. I actually didn't get one brownie. I intended to get three brownies, but they only packed me two. So I already thought, oh no, I need to call customer care. And then I realized they charged me for two. But the thing is, I wasn't ever really the sort of person to come and put brownies in my freezer. But there are times it's 9 p.m. I've been working all day and I just want something chocolatey and sweet and soft. That already lets me know, okay, this is different for you. Now, if this becomes my breakfast, lunch, or dinner, that means there's an increase in my food behavior that is opposite to what I normally do. So you don't need, as Jasmine says, 
the fancy words leave that to us. We're the ones who are obligated to know that stuff. For the, the regular layman person in Webuye, in Kitale, in Muranga, wherever they are, they're gonna be saying things like, nowadays I eat too much, I've added weight, I've put on, I don't know, 15 pounds or kgs or whatever. And those are the things that, that let you know that there is distress here, even when you don't know the name of that distress. It's okay, it's my job to know. It's Jasmine's job to know. It's not your job to know. Your job is just to say how you're feeling and we will sit in it with you and then help you find a way out. And it's not always therapy because as she said, not everybody can access therapy. Even those who can access me may not be able to afford me, right? I offered two months of free therapy and there's still people reaching out to me, but there's only so much I can do. So everything I put out there is intended for somebody to listen and say, okay, Maybe I can't afford a therapist today, but this meme that she put out today on Instagram has helped me. Somebody said that to me last week, I was having a terrible time. And then the thing you put up, I said, what thing? What that told me is that, okay, keep doing this. Cause I was thinking, well, maybe this is not so important anymore. But that to, keep, to remember that your mental health doesn't require a therapist's couch or a therapist's office. What we really help you do is access your resources. And what we're doing now is part of helping you access your resources, helping you get, get some insights, helping you with some tools you can use, right? And then if you need us, we're here. But if you don't need us or you need us but can't afford us, at least look at like the content we put out, events such as these, the narratives that are out there, people who also talk and, and you know, like us, if it helps you, so that you diversify the number of people who you're engaging with that are offering you helpful information. Don't just say Maggie helps me, so I'll stick with her. Or Jasmine helps me, so I'll stick with her. No, find Jasmine, find Maggie, find everybody who you feel like this person talks things that make my heart feel different, that make my body feel different that make me move differently through the day. So that one day Jasmine may post something that you don't connect with, but John or Jane post something that you connect with. And so you're diversifying your mental health portfolio. Look at it that way. <laughs> Onyango, what are your thoughts on this? Oh, there's a, there's a Swahili slang saying here, and the people say things like, which the closest so he, like the closest english translation i get to that is like i feel weird something like that so that has come up a lot around people because they do not have the technical language or know how to express the the feeling of they don't have words for it um and there's another angle of um excesses that um you know we don't often talk about uh especially in our day-to-day -day relationships. Sometimes you might find somebody who was essentially just a quiet person wanting to talk so much and they don't know. It's like they, they need to get things out. Um, and because most times if we are not very emotionally present, it's very easy to dismiss these people. Also because maybe we are also going through our own cycles of whatever we are dealing with. So one of the things uh, I've been sharing a lot with people around me is we need to notice the very small things because that is how you, you catch that uh, somebody near you is not doing okay. Somebody Because, you know, things like body language, things like the words people are using now that they, were, they weren't used to using before. Um, and what I love 
one of the positive things about the situation we are in today is it has questioned the health of our relationships, which is my favorite part. Because now we, we actually see how strong are we really, you know, our families, our friendships, our working relationships, how strong are they? So many things have been shaken. Um, and, um, you know, we, for people living with partners, for people who have partners they're not living with, for people who have friends and, and all these things, people have questioned um, relationships a lot. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been a good opportunity to say, um, you know, this is how, what we, we are learning together. This is what I have learned or you have learned right now. This is what we can do together to move forward, to be stronger, maybe, you know. Uh, and for some people, it's time to break up as well. There are those possibilities. So, I mean, it's just about uh, facing ourselves with true light because it's almost like we've been forced to, to get to the edge and actually face ourselves, which is not a pretty bad thing. And this week's podcast of the week is Afro-Masculinity, which is actually the podcast that belongs to Onyango Ochiano, who is on this podcast right now. And his podcast is really like focuses on issues that are not talked about enough. Since there is little to no information about the models of healthy masculinity, Onyango began a podcast in April that tackles the complexities of African masculinities from culture, religion, politics to historical underpinnings of what informs the African man's perceptions of himself and his environment and how these perceptions affect the day-to-day ongoings of this country and the African continent in terms of economy and social health there is a direct link in the description box of this podcast which will lead you directly to that podcast and also just fyi onyango is fundraising for this podcast so if you can please head over to the gofundme page which is also linked in the description box of this podcast and please pledge whatever you can all of that help will be deeply appreciated now back to our podcast I mean, I like the fact that you're touching on relationships and, and we'll go into that. My love language is touch. And this thing has really, I think within the first six weeks, I'm like, I just want to just shake someone's hand, you know? And I really struggled. I, I struggled with that. I struggled with seeing a smile, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I struggled with, with the fact that I was not hugging anyone. You know, and I was not allowed to hug anyone. People have different forms of love languages. What advice would you give to people who are struggling with, with those small things that we don't really consider when people like, don't touch, don't hug? What advice would you give to people who are struggling? That is very, very real. I had um, a call come in, I guess it, maybe it was last weekend, and um, it was a friend, and she said, I haven't heard anyone's voice in a week. Like, as in an active um, one-to-one conversation with someone. 
um, outside of just, you know, working on the computer, listening to videos and things of that sort, and just really needed to take a minute and connect because she realized that her, the thing that she loves and makes her feel warm and connected had been missing. Um, and so I think first you just acknowledging that, Kevin, now you're able to figure out how can I satisfy this need so that, you know, irritability that you may be experiencing or that, uh, that heaviness or that darkness, now you understand where it's coming from. And so we don't want, you know, we're, we're not in a position where we can say, oh, well, it's okay. Like just invite one friend over. You know, we want to be really, really careful that while we're experiencing these things, we have limitations and we have a responsibility to uphold our, our, our limitations in keeping everyone safe, including ourselves. But we do still have these needs that need to be satisfied. So a couple of things. One is acknowledging that this is an unmet need. So it may mean that you have to divert your attention to your secondary love language, whatever that may be. Um, you know, it's kind of like right now, I can't get um, sushi or something. Just think, kind of think about things that I can't make, but we enjoy eating and, and we can't go out right now. So we have, you know, looked at other recipes that kind of make us feel a little bit closer to the thing that we really want. So yeah, we do have to get creative. I've worked with a lot of clients um, on my, my sexy end of business that are struggling with uh, without touch. And we've done things like, let's go find different fabrics in your house. Let's go find a feather. Let's find um, like a satin scarf. Let's find your favorite blanket. And let's just do some exercises around touch. You know, with you applying the pressure how you want it. Let's, you know, let's take that, that tickler and put it behind your, your, your ear and just finding other ways for people to connect with their body and feel those sensations, although it's not being provided by another human. And we're at, at minimum acknowledging that we have a need. The other thing is that we can be really, really super kind to ourselves right now. You know, um, Maggie, when you mentioned the gaining weight and you know i've been asking people to give themselves permission to be a little bit different than they normally are like it's okay the way that i've been putting it is like oh just like a little extra is gonna be good for when you know when when i don't have like i don't know the thing that i'm worried about is that the food supply is gonna get messed up right so i got like a little bit extra just in case for that time to come so let's like be kind to ourselves oh i'm really aggravated because i can't get a massage so just let me sit here and and sulk you know, so that's the conversation that I have with my family is I'm aggravated because I want a massage and I can't get one. So let me be mad. And they're like, okay, give her 10 minutes. She'll come around. So giving yourself permission to even feel the negative feelings is just as important as, as it is to like keep pushing towards um, feeling brighter. We can't really just mull through our feelings. So it's okay for you, Kevin, to, to say like, you know, I feel really down because I really miss a hug right now. And for me to go like, okay, well, like, come on, like, come in, come on, like, like for real, Kevin, like, let me give you a hug. Come on, take this hug, you know? Yeah, see? And I'm imagining what you smell like right now and how warm I, I was received by you when we were actually in person. And I can access some of those good feelings again, not a hundred percent, but a little bit more than I was before you shared with me that you're missing your love language. I, I love that you said that. And also, Kevin, yeah, a lot of people, including me, um, are struggling with the absence of touch, the absence of contact, right? And actually, so I would say, first of all, be willing also to be adaptable, right? And 
before I even talk about adaptability, you know what Jasmine was just saying, like, let it be okay to feel your negative feelings. Those are actually the normal feelings to feel when you're, when you're under threat. So if there was no pandemic and you walked into Jasmine's office or Maggie's office and you said, there's been a death in my family, ha 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 ha. So it's wild to me then that we're in a global pandemic, but we're expecting ourselves to be farting rainbows and butterflies. In what universe? In what universe? These emotions are not negative. They're normal. They're normal emotions. They remind you that you're a human being, that you have a vulnerability, and that therefore other human beings around you have a vulnerability as well. So that you're, you're kind to yourself. Jasmine said that my heart just went, yes. You're kind to yourself, and then you extend that kindness outward. The other thing I wanted to say is that in my office, when I do love languages, I don't actually do what the author suggests, which is primary and secondary. I have them do them all, but you rank them from number one to number five. And what that does is remind you that you need them all. Just because like touch for me is so important, but you know what, touch is number three. Number one and two would be words of affirmation and quality time. And so if I'm not getting touch, maybe I need to see whether I can get words of affirmation or whether I can get quality time. And for example, I know um, Onyango follows me on Twitter and we follow each other. There have been times just yesterday, I put on this exact lipstick I have on actually, I, I blended and I thought it looked really cute, but when I was taking pictures, I wasn't happy with it. I put it on Twitter and I said, I did an ombre look on my lips and I thought it would look really cute and my camera won't let me prosper. But here I am posting this. There are times, I think two weeks ago, I told people, I'm, just gas me up, man. Like just gas me up because I am feeling shredded. And there are people who do come through, my Twitter tribe is amazing. There are people who do come through and say, oh my God, your smile could heal everybody, you know? And, it's so sweet, but it reminds me that I am valued because what COVID did for me is make me feel like I was giving, giving, giving and not getting or being in meetings and listening and asking how everybody was doing. And then they moved on and I said, wait a second, you didn't ask about me. And they said, oh my God, it's because you're the therapist. We just thought you're fine. Cause you know, like you're pre-installed with knowledge. The point is I can't get a hug right now. I can't get physical touch right this moment and also for touch take your time in the shower upgrade your body wash if you can change your bathing cloth whether you're using a shower poof or you're using a brush or you're using just your some people even use their underwear whatever you're using switch it up switch it up right so that you you get to give yourself a different kind of touch it's not always just masturbating or self-pleasure it's even just applying lotion after you shower gentlemen i know some some of us especially in this country some of our brothers since i'm not a man like to hop in and hop out get dressed and go and they take pride in being ashy aside from the fact that ashy is not cute but it's okay you know do you in this moment it might not be a bad idea to actually apply lotion just to feel feel like, you know, have your body touched because we want to minimize the importance of it sometimes in our minds. But touch is critical. Babies who are not touched wither and sometimes die. We may not have the finances, but doing something new and different is, is one way of is stimulating 
the mind or just you know adding something different to your life um there's a question that's coming and i want to touch on that about men and i'll throw this um primarily at you onyango um with your podcast and the fact that we don't speak as often or we don't we ref, either we refuse to have the language or we don't have the language to say i you go down i'm down you know and and we're meant to infer a lot from just that you go down we're seeing a lot more men committing suicide you know what have you seen happening within the male fraternity i mean uh this is nearly an everyday occurrence but now the covid-19 uh, season has just proliferated these cases and uh, they are coming more into the surface and you can see them more in the media and stuff like that but i would really love to pick on pick up on what uh, maggie has just uh, said uh in terms of uh personal intimacy that is one part where men are hugely immensely and intensely lacking you know uh because uh, as as i there's a, like in in my last podcast i, I was saying about I, w- i was talking about the politics of the african man's body and explaining how when boys are younger they're alienated from their bodies because they are being hardened up for being tools of production when they ripen up when they become you know um productive enough to be used in a factory in somewhere else where somebody could enslave them because of what capitalism is like so there in essence our relationship with our own emotions is cut off when we are younger so so right now it's so hard to come for me to come and tell kev you know kev you got to love yourself like the what there's no system for that you know and so what, that's one of the reasons i'm doing what i'm doing to just get some some impression in men's minds because myself i'm also i'm i'm also very big on touch touch is very big for me um and the fact that this whole season has been like an extreme sport because i mean you're not getting enough hugs you're not getting enough touch um i i i have also resorted to and this has been practices i've been doing even on normal days i take long in the shower i have a playlist when i go to the shower i take my time on that i always curate what i want to hear depending on my moods i feel the water you know i'm sometimes i shower differently like even when there's water in the shower i go to the bathroom with a bucket just to change things you know um and you know that feeling of just putting water all of it on my body it it has its own kind of thing um, africans know this um and um the thing about oiling your body and i tell men around me all the time your body your body is your garden right take your time to oil it if you don't have lotion even petroleum jelly is fine just oil yourself and for me taking my time to oil myself slowly after that long shower has some kind of effect i i i can't understand the science behind it but it 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 calms me down it makes me feel really good about myself and um the thing about also just giving yourself uh, that pleasure and touch like maggie was saying has uh, come in so handy for me and you know you don't have to be watching porn to get this happen or anything like it's also a very good opportunity to exercise your creativity like you can think of things man um and just make use of the available resources i remember when i was in um uh my a level school in uganda 
this entrepreneurship class, the first thing our teacher said, when you want to start a business, you have to use the locally available goods or the available resources. And right now, if you have hands, if you're able-bodied, um, you have resources, use your hands. Um, and for people who are differently abled now, you, you could look for people who could help you around that, you know. Uh, so, I mean, humans, humans, we are really complex. And the, the thing about men, and this is a global thing, um, we, we don't face life with the idea that we can show our emotion and be respected for it or be humanized for it. So that social stigma is what so many people live with. And so the fear of just opening up and showing this is, I'm, I'm not doing okay, I'm, I'm feeling off a little bit, comes with a lot of, you know, I don't want to be emasculated, I don't want to be made to feel like I'm less of a man by saying this or that. Um, and so what we are trying to promote is the positive psychology that um, when you say this, there are benefits for this, you know, um, when you open up uh, with your problems, however small you open, however short, small you open up, there's some uh, emotional benefits for this. It may not come immediately, but there's something it does for your body and for your mind. And you can even get a better um, environment within you to solve the kind of anxiety and the problems that are, you know, uh, we are facing right now. So for me, the other thing would be, and I really uh, sensitize this, uh, letters, I really believe in communities. So letters, letters create healthy male communities. And this is for men. Uh, instead of, um, especially with our history here, um, uh, with heteronormativity and heterosexuality, instead of over relying on women for that emotional safety and emotional support. How, what about we open up to each other about these struggles and each other and tell stories to each other. That's my favorite part about life. I talk to men about their lives and I wanna do this until I die. Jazz and Maggie, what advice would you give to, to the men, the men in the room, the men listening? Definitely listen to Anyango. I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I think that there's so much power in men listening to men. A lot of, a lot of um, the experience that we have as women, when, when Maggie mentioned, we whine, we vent, we talk to, you know, women have, have learned so many ways to communicate with each other. And um, we really take advantage and we really tell each other like, girl, I just need to get this off my chest or Maggie, I need your assistance. Or um, I know I just said all those things. I don't mean any of them. I just needed to get that out. You know, I just needed to process it with you. We have so many ways that we come to each other with, um, knowing exactly what we want to come out of the conversation, whether it's to be heard, we need consultation, we needed to process, we needed to hear our own voice, um, or we needed someone to talk us off the ledge or from doing something that might have some, some extreme um, consequences. And I think that men can access the exact same thing. Um, part of it is acknowledging, I'm having these feelings, they're overwhelming, I shouldn't deal with them alone. That's, that's perfectly normal and natural. It's just the next step of once you acknowledge those feelings is actually having the behavior that attaches to those feelings, which is to get help. And again, to get help doesn't mean having to go and go and seek a therapist and, and it, how we say here in, the, in the, um, the States is air your dirty laundry, meaning telling your problems to a stranger. 
um, maybe it is just talking to another person as, as close as you can get um, that will likely validate because they're going through the same thing. This is one of the kind of interesting aspects of this pandemic is that we're all going through, we're all being impacted. So that little bit of you that goes, yeah, but they're therapists, they're not going through the same thing. Or, oh, you know, Kevin Kevin um, is a, a works with poetry and, and works in the arts and th he's not experiencing the same thing. Like, let's get that out of our minds right now. We have kinship in every single person we meet because we are, for the first time probably in ever in our lives, all experiencing the same inconvenience to our mental health and our psyche. Um, so for the one time in your life, men, someone does understand. Someone help, actually can help you process this through. So even just saying like, hey, I just need to like, I don't even have the words, man. Like just even that conversation says so much. I don't even have the words, man. I'm just trying to sit here and, and, and get through the day. Somehow I know this person just needs to feel connected to someone and, and for someone to say like, well, if you find the words, I'm right here or say less, I feel you. There's that like that like colloquial slang that we use. I feel you. God, that means so much now more than ever before. Um, and, and just checking in. I think one thing that we can also do is if you're not one of the men that we're talking about that's struggling and you're someone who's got like pretty decent footing in this stress right now, just knowing that that your your fellow your fellow brother doesn't. So check in. How you doing, man? I feel you. It's hard right now, right? And giving that that person some space to kind of share their feelings. So um, I think a lot of what the work that we're going to have to do is acknowledging that there are people who are maybe not dealing as well and holding and opening that space for them to share with you. You remind me of something I like to tell my clients, ask, don't tell. So if you're not able to say, I feel like crap, can you help me? Even just saying, oh my God, things are really tough, right? That right question mark allows somebody to say, oh my God, you too? Because business has gone down the drain you too yes my friend was also telling me that they had to shut down their offices it it, it births this entire other conversation which is really what you wanted the other thing is even it's kind of a joke but it's not really a joke in my office the word should is forbidden and my clients are always laughing like what do you mean but i i need to and i say words like should have to need to i must verboten, forbidden, not allowed. So what I say is could versus should. Should is very linear and should is why men are struggling and it's why we're losing men. It's because I am a man, I should be stronger than this. I should be able to provide. I not be feeling like this. This is weak. I should be tough, right? I should be a man. Kangumu, as we say in Kenya, like stay hard. Shielding is going to kill you and it's going to kill not just your body, but even your soul, like your core. Allow yourself to could. I could be strong. Yeah, and right now I'm not. Okay. Or I could rest or I could provide or I could find another way to provide if this job is not working. Or I could tune into this panel or I could go lay down or I could eat or I could go have sex or I could take a shower. Could allows you to birth possibilities. The other joke in my office is I'm always saying hashtag options, hashtag possibilities. 
you know, because men are choking to death on the idea that there is one way to be a man. And it is the system that has been set in place by who? By men. And it isn't just our men today. This system's, you guys on this panel found this system. And unless they're dismantled in our lifetime, your sons will find this system. So it's even mothers of sons to know, to ask your child, what would you like to do? You can also replace have to, need to, should with words like I wish, I hope for. Like my hope for this panel is that people will walk away feeling elevated. That's a very different statement from, by the time I'm done with this panel, people have to be feeling elevated. I should make sure that people are feeling elevated. Notice how it's so different or am I crazy? Because to me, it's like a totally different, so no more shielding, all the way colding. <laughs> so should versus could. The other thing that men struggle with is adapting. And I think what I would want men to know, what I hope men will take away is that in life, whether you're a fish, a man, a tree, if you have life force inside you, you must adapt or you will die. The things that do not shift in this life have no life. The plants that do not grow, die. A man who refuses to adapt is going to not thrive and it will feel like a death to them. And I'm not talking physical death, although sometimes it leads there. It's the cutting off of your life force, of your life energy, of the things that make you who you are. Men and women are vastly different only in genitalia. Only that you have a penis and we have a vagina. But our core is the same. Our desire for safety is the same. Our desire for freedom is the same. But the patriarchal system does not allow men to say, I need to feel safe. So you can just allow yourself, I wish I could feel safe. Really, what would be the safest place for you to be? What looks like safety to you? Who is the safest person? And I would say this also to our queer brothers and sisters. Don't just walk into a room and say, I'm gay. Because in this Kenyan culture, that can get you beaten up, otherwise attacked, and or killed. The question to always ask is, who is the safest person for me? Is this a safe space? Like Kaz does a really careful job to curate every single person that is coming on as a panelist because she wants this to be a space where a gay person, a straight person, a male person, a female person, uh, some other identifying person doesn't have to ask that question because she knows out there, this is the question you must ask. So men, be willing to adapt. Quit shielding and start cooling. And finally, be creative. Okay, guys, we have to really wind this down. Um, it's been fantastic. I have really, really enjoyed this. Briefly, short word of praise, of affirmation to someone who is struggling with their mental health right now. What would you like them to know? Two things. One, um, be okay with opening up. It's okay to open up. Just open up scary with our environment but it could save your life two today i'm going to be dreaming about farting rainbows and maggie's expression was just amazing i loved it <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah, so what about you um i'm just going to stick with with it's okay to give yourself permission to be a little bit different um than than you would normally be that this is a traumatic event at a traumatic time um, and kind of just 
give yourself permission to show up how you need to show up in the situation to survive. Um, and it's okay if you are not productive during this time, if you're not starting a new business, if you're not learning how to, you know, weave fantastic clothes and baths, it's, it's perfectly okay if you are functioning at um, your fundamental, your, your fundamental capabilities. So food, water, shelter, um, and some human connection. If that's your basic, you're meeting your basic needs from day to day until you're able to function at a higher level, that's okay. And, and it's okay to say no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I think I would briefly say that I, I wish I would hope for everybody to hold you to understand that you are your most precious person. And so to carry yourself as if you know that carry yourself as somebody who knows that you are precious, the most precious. And by that, I mean, increased gentleness, compassion, kindness, softness the world is hard enough it doesn't need you to be harder on yourself or on other people so extend grace to yourself you're your most precious baby you guys you're your most precious baby so carry yourself that way and 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 you're surviving so carry yourself gently and kindly and in the end my hope is that we all leave this pandemic feeling a reconnection to our highest selves in some way thank you so much um maggie Jazz Onyango, thank you so much for, for your words, for your kindness that you have given us, you've given me and, and everyone who was watching this panel. And I wish you well for the next few months thank of 2020. You. Namaste, peace, Kilala Harry, and Thank you all so much for tuning in. This is the first of a series of six episodes from the Spread Fest 2020. So please be sure to stay tuned for more episodes coming soon on your preferred podcast app. If you want to hear more of my personal journey with depression and anxiety, please tune into my YouTube page or click the link provided in the description box below. And if you can, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts page just to keep us going. It's the only support that we ask for. Actually, Wherever you listen, give us five stars and leave us a review if you can. Till next time, goodbye.